When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This guy comes walking into the studio with denim. He had a denim long sleeve shirt on and khaki pants. He was a trainer. And I'm like, what are you doing? And it says lifetime fitness underneath it. And I'm like, what is that outfit? And what the heck are you doing? We all were laughing at him. He's like, have you seen these places? And I'm like, no. And he's like, you got to check them out. So I'm like, all right. So all of a sudden I drive and I see this, you know, 120,000 square foot place. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's time. Maybe, maybe give it a shot and, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll start my own business after that. And, and really that's, where it, it, it happened. And I got in when lifetime only had 20, I think 28, 29 clubs. Um, and Chicago was the third satellite market. Michigan was the first Minnesota is the main and then Minnesota. And then I believe it was us. And I just right place, right time, right experience and education. And, and I really just grew with the company and we took it from 29 clubs and probably like a $29 million business ish, somewhere like that. By the time it is at one point, it was a $300 million business a month. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a $30 million business a month. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. That voice you just heard in the beginning is a guest for this episode, Mr. Jason Stella. Before I go into the full introduction for Jason and what we're going to be talking about with this episode, I just want to remind you that if you're looking for the right way to design an exercise program, if you wonder what the best exercises are for your goals, I got you covered. My book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple, teaches you what you need to know to design workouts for strength training, metabolic conditioning, and mobility. My second book, Ageless Intensity, High Intensity Workouts to Slow the Aging Process, goes into the science of how high-intensity exercise specifically can slow down the effects of aging. So whether or not you want to use exercise to slow aging or whether or not you want to use exercise to enhance your quality of life, I have you covered. Check down below in the show notes for links. 
For those of you that listen to All About Fitness on a regular basis, you know that I'm a huge fan of health clubs. I've worked for health clubs over the years. In fact, I just restarted, relaunched my health club career just a few weeks ago. I started as a new director of education for a company called EOS Fitness. EOS has 60 clubs around the country in various markets, and I'm really excited to be working in the front lines again because health clubs are where it happens. Health clubs are the most likely place where people are going to interact with fitness and create habits that last a lifetime. Well, that's why I want to reach out to Jason Stella today. Jason is about the same age I am, and we have about the same experience in the health club industry or in the fitness industry. And Jason is a director of education or has been the director of education for Lifetime. Lifetime is a chain of premium level health clubs. Think about restaurants. You obviously have your McDonald's, your Burger Kings, you have your Chili's, your TGI Fridays, your Applebee's, and then you have your Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, you have your Palm, you have your elite level restaurants. Well, in the fitness industry, it's kind of the same way. Some health clubs are a little bit more designed to be entry level, to appeal to the masses. The company I'm working for, EOS Fitness, we call ourselves high value, low price, and I'll talk about that at another time. Lifetime, where Jason Stella works, Lifetime is a little bit different. Lifetime is a premium experience. It's a premium health club experience. And what I want to talk about today with Jason on this episode is what people like us, what we call directors of education, number one, what we do, right? Our job is we support the personal trainers at a health club. We help the the personal trainers, the fitness instructors become better at their jobs. Our job What Jason and I do is help the personal trainers become better at their job, which is making you, the listener, sweaty. On this episode of All About Fitness, Jason Stella and I talk about what it takes to be a good personal trainer and what it takes to develop good personal trainers, and most importantly, what that means for you, the listener. You are going to learn a lot today about fitness, about exercise, and as Jason and I share, how we've changed based on the information that we have. I mean, Jason and I make a career out of educating other personal trainers. And one of the most important things we talk about today is how each of us have changed our workout programs as we've aged, as we've gone through our 40s and reached our 50s. So on this episode of All About Fitness, it's all about the benefits that you can get about from joining the health club. Today, we're with Jason Stella, the Director of Education for Lifetime Health Clubs. Let's get into the conversation. Today on the All About Fitness podcast is a lot of fun to be talking with Jason Stella, who works for Lifetime Health Clubs. You're involved in the education programming for the fitness trainers and for the fitness professionals. But Jay, what else do you do at Lifetime? Because I think you've done a really cool thing there. Oh man, it's been a long time. I started as a trainer, uh, didn't expect to really stay with a club at all more than about a year, like a lot of trainers do. And, you know, long story short there, 18 years later, uh, I'm still with them. I I've been manager, regional manager, uh, national, uh, director of education, uh, created the alpha training program for them. Uh, a couple of other, uh, kind of branding stuff, did a lot of new hire training development, new club opening 
training and development of both managers as well as uh, trainers. So, you know, I've been kind of on that operational end and educational end, but I would probably favor it more on the educational end for the majority of my career. And then what are you doing now? Because you have this sign behind you and, and I am going to be posting this on the YouTube channel, but also just for listeners, I mean, because you're doing a great job with them. And so I want you to be able to talk a little bit about what, yeah. you're, what else you're doing. No, no problem. Yeah. In the last probably year and a half, uh, since COVID and things, I've started a podcast, uh, you know, really directed towards trainers or higher end health enthusiasts to try to weed out the Insta famous information, which again, I'm not going to bash all of it because some of it is good. Uh, but, you know, people didn't know some of the the heavy hitters and in the education world that I got very fortunate enough to be introduced to early. Um, those guys are you know, Paul Check and Gary Gray and Greg Roscoff and Tom Purvis and, you know, all these guys that have spent their lifetimes educating trainers at a super, super high level. And, you know, when I'm talking to trainers, Charles Polk and another one, you know, I, I'm talking to trainers now and they don't know they're, they've unheard of these people. And I'm just like, man, we need to bring these people back to the, to the forefront because they've done an amazing job helping transform the industry from really being a bodybuilding, you know, focused type of industry all the way through to what it is now. And I, I know we might get into that. So I'll, I'll hold off on kind of my belief on how we we've kind of evolved. Well, and that, but that's why it's so important because, and, and that's why I think it's such a cool podcast is you're really trying to highlight what we do as trainers, as fitness professionals. And for listeners, if you listen to the all about fitness podcast, Jay just did a great job of describing where the category you fall into because you'll hear us talk about you have the professionals, but then you have those educated, those those people who work out but want to know why, what they're doing and why they're doing. Do you think that population is underserved in health clubs in general where you have people who want to train, they want to do it right, but they just don't know where to get the best information from? 100%. I mean, nobody goes into this thing with the intention of I'm going to, I'm just going to do something that maybe isn't going to work or isn't safe for me, you know, but a lot of times they don't realize it or they don't realize what they're doing when they're actually out on the floor and doing an exercise and they can't see certain things that somebody who's got a lot of experience can see to be able to tweak and, and either modify it, regress it or progress it. And well, that, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, when we talk about the training world, my purpose in this world really is to, help create a true profession and, and calling them professionals. I, I'm not a big fan of trainer. I know there's debate out there. People bashed me on, on Facebook because they said, oh, well, we can't even call them trainers at Lifetime. We call them fitness professionals. Well, it's because we're trying to elevate the profession to make it a real profession. And, you know, I created a, a personal mission statement many, many years ago, probably like 2002, when I decided to stay with Lifetime and, and go into the management track was through the relentless pursuit of educating myself and others, change the reputation of the health club trainer nationally and help people grow personally and professionally. And really that that's what it is. It's, it's how can we get trainers to be able to retire as a trainer, to make enough money, to have a sustained living, to not get burnt out um, and, and move forward in this amazing, amazing journey that is called personal training. Well, and, and that's the cool thing. I hadn't heard you say that before, Jason. And our mission statements are very similar, very parallel. Because a long time ago, I want to enhance other people's lives through exercise. I mean, I kind of came. And for, for our industry, that means helping educate professionals in our industry so they can do a better job. I mean, we all understand any industry, 
doctors, attorneys, w- politicians. You're going to have those people with the, the bottom 10, 15% who just skate by by doing the bare minimum or, or somehow survive, right? I mean, every industry has that. Our industry being no different, but somehow our industry defaults get highlighted more because of the type of environment they're in. Do you think that that'd be a fair statement? Yeah, I just think it's like everything, especially nowadays. Everyone's got an opinion, as we do, you, you <laughs> do, and I, and I do. You know, right? And what's What's sad, and I've been there, I've done it, is it's almost like it's a threat. I think, and and people, you know, you have the overconfidence of people who believe they're way better than they are, and and really do some stuff that isn't probably the best. But then, I would say there's that bell curve, and and a lot of people in the bell curve, based on who they learned from start saying that's bad or that's bad and mine my, my way is better than your way or your way sucks and this and, and and it and that's the problem i think with part of the industry and it and it happened with the gurus at the top you and i went to go see and we, and they're still saying that and it's how do we bring it together you know i always say the best program is the one that the person's going to do at, at the end of the day and and you know there's there's some I would like to think science behind that mentally from a behavioral side. And, you know, sometimes the, the most simplest program just done consistently and frequently enough is going to get somebody to a result. You know, now when we start getting into special populations and performance and, you know, that that's a whole nother ball game, but you take somebody who's sedentary and you start getting them active with the simplest program. They're going to get some results in some way, shape, or form because they're not used to doing anything. I mean, I think everybody would agree with that. And that's what so many people overlook, right? Is so many people, I, I think so many people out there who like, okay, I know I need to exercise. I know it's good for me. I know it's healthy. I think there's so much information that they just simply don't know where to start and, and they just become overwhelmed. Let's take a step back because I do want to kind of go into the evolution because you and I are both about the same age-ish, give or take. Um, what got you into fitness? Why? Because I love the fact, and, and we both work parallel to try to elevate the status of the industry, but what got you, Jay? What was it that said, hey, I want to be a personal trainer. I want to start out making, getting into this business of helping people live healthier lives. How'd you get started? Well, you know, I, if we want to go way back, it goes back to, you know, my family, I grew up in a, you know, one side, hundred percent Italian, large, large family. The other side was a political family and marry each other. And, and, you know, my dad was a musician and he lived a musician's life, at, you know, early on. And so I got into athletics. Uh, I started playing the drums when I was real little and then quickly got into athletics like many of us. And, and really that was the, the spearhead of, I want to, to do that. I want to look good, you know, as a kid, but it, it became, I want to be able to, you know, kind of move forward and, and live a healthier lifestyle. And then as I was moving through playing basketball at a small college, I got a job at a health club in Rosemont, Illinois, and it was a very large health club you know, probably a hundred and some thousand square feet, but single owned. And the NESM, when they were based out of Chicago originally, which is where they started, used that facility as a facility to do their, at the time, six-day intensive course. And you did both hands-on classroom learning and hands-intensive course. And you did both hands-on classroom learning and hands-on, you know, instruction of exercise. And guys like Tom Purvis, John Belivernich, uh, Mitch Simon, uh, Neil Spruce, all those guys were part of that group, that original group. 
so I got really, really lucky playing college basketball and then getting certified as a sophomore in college. And so I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. But I, at the time I was going to school for athletic training and my senior year, I saw a compound fracture tip fib. And I was the first to respond because the head athletic trainer was out on a different call. And I'm like, okay, that's not what I want to do <laughs> anymore. And so I, I quickly got out of that and, and, you know, but, but my love for training still stayed on that corrective side. And it was the perfect mix because when I first got started, all those guys were bodybuilders, man, they were popping insulin pills. Like it was straight up bodybuilding back then. And then it, morphed at that time really into corrective. That's when the likes of Paul check and Gary gray and, and these guys really started to, you know, teach trainers how to look at function and, and look at corrective exercise, you know, which is what it was called. And, you know, and so it, it really became that passion of wanting to stay healthy, know what my kind of family experience was like, and then all the way through being in the right place at the right time and being introduced to some, some heavy hitters early on. Well, the listen for real quick for listeners, what Jason's referred to NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine, is one of the big personal training certifications that really became a, a, much, a, much more, let's say, a lot more popular. It really they changed ownership right before the turn of the century from the 1990s to the 2000s. They really kind of redeveloped how training was done. But I want to ask you a question, Jason, because I recently recorded a podcast with uh, Amy Nicotera about how do we get our kids active? How can we be good role models for our kids? So what was it about seeing your dad as a musician? As a musician, because musicians can be healthy. I mean, musicians can be active and be healthy. But what was it about your dad's lifestyle as a musician that kind of caused you to make you veer tack the other way? It's funny because, you know, I I wasn't alive when he was on Epic Records and and, in that realm i came you know after that but he was more in the promotion promotional side of it and he played racquetball i mean that was the sport back then in health club so he did it wasn't like he wasn't active and he was there coaching me yeah it was just i was afraid of things that i was seeing you know and and i think you know do i think they were as bad now as i get older and understand and, and what's happening maybe not so much but it still was just i was afraid of it i was afraid of you know, all the stuff that happens on the outside. And, and that really was, was really the mark of what I wanted to, to kind of go after and, and kind of do and what I fell into. Well, I just think that's kind of an interesting observation because I've had many motivations for staying fit and I'm not in no way, shape or form like I try to carry the physique of an underwear model, especially as I get older. But really, I, I think it is too. I, I'm kind of motivated by the fact of I want to be fitter than my parents were when I get to their age. You know what I mean? Now that I'm knocking on the door of being turning 50, I turned 50 in 2022. I really, I, my goal is like, hey, I saw my, my parents were active. Like my parents grew up in the 70s and 80s. And like you, I went to go play racquetball a lot of, in high school and college. I played racquetball with my dad. You know, we probably didn't play well at all, but it was still fun. It was an active yeah. thing to do. And I saw my parents, both of my parents, both go through these yo-yo my dad with jogging and racquetball, my mother with jazzercise and joining health clubs. And I think that's pretty typical, but that's always motivated me to kind of like, I always, I like doing this thing. It's not necessarily because I want to look a certain way, but I just like the way it feels. So as you've evolved, how is your approach towards fitness? Because I know when we're young and in our 20s, we just want to get jacked up, right? We were still like, everything was about big muscles. But as you learn from some of these 
early educators, as you learned from the Purvises and the Chucks, what changed about your philosophy? What changed about your approach to fitness and how did you carry that message to your clients? Yeah. And, and one thing I do want to say, maybe this was it too, but my dad actually has a gold record for the first Jazzercise album ever. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, That's cool. He helped, he helped that is cool. on the on the promotional side of it. So <laughs> That is really cool. cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yes, I would say it was about looks early on and into to a fault. And I think this is a big issue even still is that I trained not knowing through high school and through, through parts of college, I trained like a bodybuilder, which wasn't very conducive for me to, to pl- keep playing basketball because I was getting bigger and I was getting slower and I couldn't move. And so in my performance, I, I still could never dunk a ball <laughs> I could shoot and, I could, and I could dribble, but, um, but at the end of the day, it, it, it's funny that it was about what I look like. And, and I thought what I was doing was going to help me, get better at basketball. And it didn't, it, it actually got me worse. Um, so I, I think that that's kind of where it was at. And then as I've gotten older, obviously I have kids now, I got a uh, 16, 14 and nine year old. And my vision of the future is completely different than when I was in my twenties. And I think at the end of the day, that's the ultimate motivator is if you don't have a clear vision of the future that you're looking to try to accomplish as it relates to your health. And, and I would argue every, anything else, then your motivation is going, or, or if it's not a strong, vivid picture, um, then your motivation is going to continue to wane. But I know that I want to be there for my kids. I want to be able to, you know, be able to play with them, move with them and, you know, see them get married and, and be a granddad and, and still be able to move. That's, that's my motivation right now. And so, yeah, I still want to look good because my kids are, are coming at me, especially my 14 year old. He's the one that gets me up at five 30 every morning to, to work out. So I train with him and, and work out with him. Uh, trying not to do the same mistakes that I made with him, you know, moving forward. Although he's like, I want to get bigger. I want to get jacked. I'm like, well, let's, let's, let's look at performance and let's look at getting bigger together. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think through everybody that I've, I've learned from, honestly, I think more recently, Gary Gray has had the biggest impact in understanding movement and understanding that, I don't need a six pack anymore. I'm cool with like a two and a half or a four pack even <laughs> and, and in eating my pizza a couple of days a week, but being able to move better without pain. Can I go out? Can I put the decorations up? Can I play with my kids? Can I, you know, play a sport, whatever it is, uh, golf, bowling, you know, you know, different things to, to c- continue to get better and, and be pain free. So that that's where, in my opinion, it's at. And I think, keeping my well-being and my mind right um, in, in conjunction with that. And I think that becomes such a key driver, right, as we, as we get older. Not that not that appearance isn't important. I mean, we all want to look good. I mean, that that's – but there's there's there really is a difference in training to – for pure aesthetics and training for performance. I've always, I've always identified that, and I've always kind of scaled towards the performance side. Now, to take a shift a little bit, because I'll be interested in your, in your response – you focused your career primarily with health clubs. I mean, it would have been easy for us to go independent and do like be an independent trainer or to try to start a studio or to, or to do that. And why did you stay focused? I'm interested in that yeah. we could talk a little bit about that because, again, we've been very parallel there about I've always stayed focused more on the traditional aspect and I'm a huge proponent of health clubs. And I'm interested to hear why you've made that your career. Yeah, I, I think 
to go way back before I started actually at that health club that I told you about that single owned one, I actually went into a Bally's. I lived a stone's throw from the Bally headquarters in, in Chicago where I grew up and I went to a Bally early on and I wanted to get a floor instructor. I just wanted a place to go play basketball, you know, inside in the winter. And so I went there and literally I was at the time, I think it was a senior in high school and I walked into the Bally's and they're like, Hey, uh, you know, um, can I get a floor instructor job or, you know, towels, whatever. And they're like, Oh, you, you know, you should become a trainer. And I'm like, what? And they're like, you should become a trainer. I'm like, I don't know anything about, it. I mean, I work out, but I don't know anything. Oh, we got this certification. Just take it and, and, and you'll be fine. And, and, and you'll be able to do that. And so that left a really bad taste in my mouth. And I, I really didn't want anything to do with health clubs at all. Um, so I went to this other one because it was an individual owned and I, it was Rosemont is an interesting town <laughs> um, in, in Illinois, right by O'Hare airport. But I got in there and it was great. But then after that, after I finished with college, my first job out actually was in a small studio. There were two of them and I was doing in-home training and then I was doing some DJing at night. So uh, I got into that and I experienced what it's like to have to drive. You know, I lived in an area that most people probably weren't going to be training. So I had to drive 45 minutes to get to a place that people were very interested in training. And so, or they had, you know, the money. So I, I did that, but I was always bouncing around and, you know, you're working at six and seven and then you're sitting there for a couple hours and then nine, 10, and then you're sitting there for another six, five, six hours before the night crew comes in. And I'm like, what am I doing? And so there was so much time wasted. And then as the studio evolved, I, I left and, and just did in-home and in-home was great. At one point in time, I had a client, I trained him and his wife five times a week each, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. I was done. I DJ two nights a week. I was living a great, great lifestyle. But when he went out of town, I didn't make any money. All my money was gone. And, and, and to the point where I even asked him at one point, I'm like, Hey, can you, you know, you give me a referral. I know you, you love for golf. I was a big trainer for golf as well early on. And he's like, no, I'm not giving you to anybody. I'm like, well, why? And this guy used to play with Michael Jordan. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because I'm making too much money off of, off of everybody. I go, then I'm doubling your rate. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that happened. But, it, you know, and at the same time, then this guy comes walking into the studio with denim. He had a denim long sleeve shirt on and khaki pants. He was a trainer. And I'm like, what? are you doing? And it says lifetime fitness underneath it. And I'm like, what is that outfit? And what the heck are you doing? We all were laughing at him. He's like, have you seen these places? And I'm like, no. And he's like, you got to check them out. So I'm like, all right. So all of a sudden I drive and I see this, you know, 120,000 square foot place. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's time. Maybe, maybe give it a shot and, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll start my own business after that. And, and really that's, where it, it, it happened. And I got in when Lifetime only had 20, I think 28, 29 clubs. Um, and Chicago was the third satellite market. Michigan was the first. Minnesota is the main and then Minnesota. And then I believe it was us. And I just, right place, right time, right experience and education. And, and I really just grew with the company and we took it from 29 clubs and probably like a $29 million business-ish, somewhere like that. By the time it is, at one point it was a, $300 million business a month. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a $30 million business a month. No, what am I talking about? Yeah, it was, it was 300. <laughs> well, yeah. And how many clubs does Lifetime have now? And I don't think Lifetime is international unless they've moved into Canada. Canada. Yeah, they're in Canada. There's, okay. yeah, there's three clubs in Canada. It's uh, We have 155 clubs currently. 
Okay. Well, and I think that's, again, where I think our, our experience really dovetails one another because I was at primarily – I work primarily for Town Sports International. That's where I started. And, and for listeners, Town Sports is New York sports clubs, Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington sports clubs. And I worked in Washington sports clubs. And interestingly enough, Jay, I didn't know – I don't we've never talked about this – but my first introduction was a Bally's as well as a senior in high school. Same thing. I walked in. I wanted a membership, and I asked them, "Well, what do I need to do to get a job here?" I play football. I know what I'm doing. And, I'm, and for listeners, I'm doing that with air quotes on the video chat. Is you know, you're 17, 18 years old. Like I lift weights. I know exactly what I'm doing. I had no idea. They stuck me. I worked that floor, that fitness floor, for for months before I went to college um, in 1990. And the funny thing is, you know, I, now the big things then were stairmaster. They just come out with the, the stairmaster climbers. I remember cleaning those suckers two or three nights a week, which is probably one of the more disgusting jobs I've ever had. <laughs> I got a great, I got a good one too on that. Yeah. Yeah. But we've all done that, right? We've all started out. I mean, we start out, but then and that put people through this circuit. And now here I am, almost you know, 30 years later, I'm working with stairmaster and i'm working with nautilus so it's kind of like it's interesting how it's come full circle but i really it was i had no idea what i was doing there's no guidance on how to be a trainer everything with that business model was just sign them up jam them in sign them up jam them in and there really wasn't a lot of guidance number one for the members and number two this was 1990 man i did not know i could make a career in fitness i went to school and studied government economics because i had no idea that there's actually an option for going into going down this path at what point did you realize that okay this is something because i don't know about you but my parents kept asking me like when are you gonna go get a real job and, yeah. and it was and then at some point i'm like look this is this is going to be my path at what, what at what point did you realize like okay, okay i can stay in this field and and there's opportunity here yep i, I want to correct myself from a second ago it's a it was a about a 30 million dollar a month business 300 okay. at the end of the year uh, and, and so i just want to make sure that was corrected. But, you know, really, I got into it. My parents were great. You know, they they absolutely, hey, if this is your passion, and this is what you want to do, go ahead after it. And to be be quite honest with you, I when I started at Lifetime, especially when I got into management, we were making a lot of money. <laughs> we really were. And it was because the company at the time couldn't figure out, you know, uh, you know, what fitness, you know, that's just an afterthought to membership, which a, a lot of companies still think that way. I think Lifetime's a bit different now because they see what it can be and what it was. Um, so we were just, ma- we were making a lot of money. Um, I was fulfilled both getting my fix of training people um, a little bit and then being able to pass that down because I sucked as a manager. I was the, <laughs> the absolute in the beginning. I, I still remember... Well, real quick, talk about how people become fitness managers. Real, quick. it's talk yeah, just because I think I listeners might not know that. Yeah, I mean, you you become a really good trainer for yourself, and you get a bunch of clients, and you you sustain your business for a while, and next thing you know, they're like, okay, you you become a manager, and now you're, you know, trying to corral people, hire people, trying to you know figure out what motivates them, and it's such a transient, you know, so many people get into it. Like, do I really want to do this or not? Um, and you know, at the end of the day, I just, it was a bit of luck and a bit of uh, knowing what I was really good at. I was really good at educating myself. I was really good at then passing that education down. So I still remember a girl, her name is Monique Casper. She's out there. She was a trainer and I was about six months in and she absolutely wrote me an email that was just terrible. You're the worst. You blah, blah, boom, blah, blah. It was this long email. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I think I'm actually doing a decent job here. And I get this. So 
I've been one that's very candid and upfront. So I, in my meeting, I had the whole team in the meeting was about 35 trainers at the time. And I read the email. I didn't say who it was from. I said, I got this email. I'm going to read this out loud. And then I'm going to leave the room. I need you guys to decide how much of this is true and how much of this can I learn from? Because if this is all true, I don't know that I should be in this position. Um, you know, and, and, you know, long story short, she came back afterward and she goes, you know, it was a you know bad time. And, you know, I probably shouldn't have wrote the email, but, you know, it, but I learned from it. I got a lot from it, but my saving grace was I gave back and they dealt with my operational inadequacies and, and, and things like that because they were getting better as trainers. I mean, at, at one point in time at a club in Burr Ridge, Illinois, that was just lights out. I mean, we had six MAT specialists. I mean, not, not the, I went through a jump start. These are the people that paid 15 grand in a year and a half of their time. We had six of them. We had five, uh, check mechanic golf, my mechanics and, and went the check route. I mean, this team was, you know, doing God, they were probably averaging each, each one of them uh, as a team was probably about 25 to 27 sessions a week average. You know, that's, that was unheard of, you know, especially it's unheard of now to have a whole team averaging that. So, you know, and, and then it just, it kind of escalated. And, and I turned down my first, uh, my first regional position. They wanted me to become a regional manager. And I'm, and I remember today, the CEO or COO of the company, Jeff Zwiefel said, you know, I think you're making a mistake. I think, you know, you should, should probably take this role. And thankfully I took it and really that kind of catapulted the career. Well, and I think that's so interesting, right? Because in very few other industries, do they take a high performer and just throw them into a management or leadership role? When you look at a lot of businesses, and, and, and even though they're about to split up and do something different, GE, General Electric, is well known for identifying people that have management talent and putting them through GE University. Like all the big companies have that. And I know life, I know some of the health club companies have gotten better, but in my opinion, that's one of the big missing pieces in our industry isn't just it's just that leadership development it's like okay you're 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 good as a personal trainer how do you make that step and do you want to make that step because go ahead yeah and and that's what happened so i i i went from the passion of program design and corrective exercise and physiology and biomechanics and all that stuff to saying okay in my career right now and this is a mistake i think many trainers make is they go after learning what they love which i get but you're running a business and whether you're doing it on your own, whether you're working at a health club, you're running your business. And if you aren't learning those skills, then you're not going to be as successful as you can be, you know, or as that you should be. So, and then when it gets to management, I, at the time, just started diving into the Stephen Cubbies of the world and the Tony Robbins of the world and the John uh, or Ken Blanchard's and, and John Maxwell's and, you know, anything I can get my hands on. And then obviously, as you know, the best way to be able to actually learn something is to teach it. So then I started creating courses for the trainers that are interested in management. And that's what I can say by far with what I know of the industry and where I've been, because I did leave for a few years. Lifetime's organizational structure for fitness is second to none. There isn't another company that has the same infrastructure to stay in fitness and not want to go into general management. I mean, you could do that or go into sales of, of, uh, you know, memberships and things like that. And we have, you know, education to become an assistant manager as a certification, like a full on, you have to take this and go to Minnesota, then, you know, maybe not to go to Minnesota anymore through the pandemic, but there's one for the PT manager. There's one for the basic trainer. There's one for the metabolic specialist, which we, we used to have. We don't have that anymore due to 
can't really do a lot of metabolic tests right now. Um, So in group training coordinators and, and, and nutrition uh, program leads. So there, there's so much infrastructure that allows people to be able to grow within the company. Um, it, that I, I believe that's why I, I really think that they are the best, you know, and, and I think that they're one of the best places to, to work as a trainer, you know, if you're not that true entrepreneur that wants to go start their own business. Well, and on that note, I always stayed. The reason why I stayed with a large health club company is I did spend a little bit of time being an independent trainer where you paid rent to a place. And it's just, it's like, you're not really an employee. Nobody really, you know, nobody in management operations. Like, did you pay your rent this month or are you paying for that client? It's like, you're no, you're not part of a team. If you're, when my experience, what I felt like just, just renting space from a studio as a contractor is I wasn't part of a team. I wasn't part of a team environment. Whereas being part of a larger company and every organization, Jason, we know this well, every organization has its warts. When you get an organization of people, of humans, whatever it is, there's going to be issues with it. And one of the things about maturity is you learn how to like, you learn which issues are, are important that might need to be addressed. You learn which issues you just let them go by, right? And that's part of the maturation process. But where I'm going with this is, is number one, I don't think people realize how fitness professionals or what type of income fitness professionals can make. So in Lifetime, because at TSI, and this is going back 15 years ago, town sports is a completely different structure now. But at the time, in the early to mid-2000s, when I was working full-time as a personal trainer, I was making about $65,000, $70,000 a year on the books. Yeah. But this would be perfectly clear about that, right? On the books, because I was doing majority of my work through the health club. I had one or two outside clients that I considered my poker money because maybe I was or wasn't claiming them. I'll, I'll be, be a little bit looser there. But And, and the other thing, too, is... If people came up to me in the cave, hey, will you train me at home? I'm like, no, join the health club. It's easier for me to stack up four clients in a row at a health club and not have to travel. Do I make a little bit less money? Yeah, I make a little bit less money. But I had a 401k. I was banging away my 401k. I had health insurance. I had a little bit of a vacation plan. And I, you know, here's the thing, Jay, that, that I realized at, at one point, if the pipe breaks in the locker room and starts flooding everything, Guess who's not dealing with it? I mean, I might have to make a call to R and to repair and maintenance, but yeah. it's not coming out of my bottom line. It's not shutting down and affecting my overhead. So I looked at it, and the way I try to teach the trainers in, in town sports is: you're running your own business. Being a personal trainer is a lot like earning a, a real estate certification, right? Once you earn your real estate certificate, guess what? Here's a phone. Here's your here's your territory. Go sell. How <laughs> it's like yeah. go sell. And that's what being a personal trainer is like. And I always try to get people thinking about that. Like, you have your certification. Congratulations. Here's a fitness floor. This club has 8,000 members. This health club right here is going to bring in about maybe 85 to 120 new members a month. Are some members going to fall off? Absolutely. But here's the business opportunity. And I always would try to get people thinking about that is, are you an employee? Absolutely. But you should still take that mindset of you're running your own business because you are. And if you don't have that mindset, you're running your own business, I'm sorry, you're not going to be successful. And forget about the fact if you want to open up your own studio at some point, if you can't get to a point where you're managing 25 to 35 sessions a week, which for listeners is a lot, 30 sessions a week is a lot. But if you can't get to that point where you're managing 30 sessions a week, forget about, don't even think about opening your own place. Yeah. I'm sure you probably delivered some of the same messages. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a frustrating thing because so many people we've lost, you know, especially during the pandemic, it, it yeah. was just the perfect, you know, situation for a lot of people to go off on their own. But at the end of the day, 
if you can't be successful in a health club where there's, you know, a thousand, 2000 people, ours, you know, 2,500 people or more a day walking into that facility, it got it. It's going to be hard to go and do that on the outside. Now, if you're wanting to do it part-time and, and just kind of make some extra bucks here and there, it, that makes sense. But we're looking for people who want to do this and, and really want to have a career in it. And what you said though, I think is the important part because so many people, oh, they take so much money and obviously at different levels, they take money, but you get a 401k, you get all of your benefits, you get, you know, we're, we're a publicly held company now. So there's stock option, you know, things that, that, probably are, you know, usually happen when that's, we just went. So, but back in the past when we were public, before we went back private, we were able to get, uh, you know, in early and, and get it at a better rate, things like that. You know, there's PTO, you know, there's education. I mean, we have relationships with, you know, anybody who's on my podcast, we have a relationship with, we have a, you won't get on the podcast if we don't get the best discount in the industry plain and simple. <laughs> so, you know, so we, we have those things. And when you start adding up gas and in car wear and tear and going to people's homes and cancellations and not having an option when, you know, when it's the holidays, this is what killed me. It was when I was on my own, it, those rich people and those people that have homes, especially when I was living in Chicago where it was cold, you know, they would go somewhere else. And now when I need money most, I'm not, I don't have it uh, because there's no one there. And then how do I go out and try and make up those sessions? Where in a club, you know, when those people are going to be going. And, and so you can make it up with maybe some short-term clients. So it's not for everybody. If you're a true entrepreneur and you understand business and you want to go after it, great. But at the end of the day, the clubs are not as bad as people think. And, and they say, oh, it's about a number. You're only a number. No. Well, you're only a number when you run your own business too. And if you're not making the money that you want to be, then you're going to be pissed off and you're going to say, how do I get more numbers? So it's just like, let these biases go. There's some that are are legit. You know, there's some things that you just wouldn't do in your business if you had it. But you know, you're not finding 50, $60 million facilities in the best demographics in the country you know, filling that place up with people that you can now make a living with. Well, that's just it. Is, is you look at where you're, you look at where lifetime clubs are located, and when you look at other health club companies, they're paying for the minimum forty thousand, and, and lifetime goes up to 120, 150,000 square feet. And that's where I'd always tell people that work for that work with our companies, like, hey, go price what it costs. Go price what it costs for a lease. Go price what it costs for equipment, and, and, and leveraging all those relationships. So that's one on, on the personal trainer side. That's where I'm a big proponent of when you start your fitness career. If you can't spend three to five years being successful in a health club, don't don't even try it. I mean, and, you know, there's some people like, oh, I can do it. Yeah, okay, maybe you can, but you're going to struggle and you're going to be miserable because you're going to try to figure out where your next month, where your next quarter is going to come from. Yeah. But if you're in a health club and you understand the business of it and you spend that time and you're, you're good at networking with people, I mean, I, I go back to it. I'd much rather, if I ever go back to personal training full-time, I'm going to do it when there's a club that, that's consistent with my values and that I know I could work in it easily because it's like I, I wouldn't want to start from scratch. Well, and, and one that's innovative. I mean, we, we were doing online training before the boom of online training, and now we've got it. So if you come on board with us, we're paying for your Trainerize account. It's it's actually better than the regular Trainerize because we have our own videos that actually look legit. Um, and, it, you know, so there's there's the online portal, too, where you don't even have to work in our clubs anymore to work and, and have benefits at Lifetime. So you know, it is what it is. It's, it's, people are going to have their opinions, but um, I think the opinions are skewed a lot of times by these very entrepreneurial types 
that are really good at it. And, you know, and, and not everybody is that, um, or they're not there yet. No, and I read a great I read a great article years ago, maybe in the New York Times or, or Wall Street Journal, one of those two. But it was about how sometimes the best workers don't necessarily want to go into management or don't want to become managers. They just want to stay focused on working with their clients, and we, and we see that a lot in our industry where personal trainers might like eh, I don't want to go into management. I just like I, I I like training my clients. I like changing lives, and management is a slightly different different animal. But let's shift gears for a second because I want to talk about we're talking a little bit about the professional, but I want to talk now about those educated consumers, about the benefits of joining a health club. Because going back to 1990, when I first started working at, at a Bally's, Jay, I have ever since 1990. So we're going on 31, almost 32 years. I've had a health club membership. I could I cannot imagine not having a health club membership. And right now, I actually pay for two different memberships, and I have a third membership at the Y of, because I teach part-time there. But And I pay for the two different memberships, one because one's very affordable and the other because they have locations all over the place. But I look at that, and I could never imagine not, as, a, as, as somebody who loves exercising, I could never imagine not going to health clubs. I mean, why would you, in your opinion, why would somebody thrive at a health club versus being able to work out on their own? You know, I know this is, when I say it, it's a great analogy, but using a a bad reference is, is kind of what I'm going to say is, you know, why do people go to the bars and drink? If, I mean, you, you yeah. go to socialize and you go to hang and you go to meet. And, and I know it's a terrible, non-healthy oh, but even, even example, like even- but, but anything, and, and it shows our, our membership is, is crushing it, um, you know, and we're back. And I think doing it on your own, I did it in my garage, you know, and it's just, it, it's not the same. It, are there people that want to do it on their own? Absolutely. Yes. Um, and, and that's going to be there. But at the end of the day, I think clubs that have, that are clean, that aren't as nightclub-y, meaning, you know, it's not a big pickup, you know, regime or inundated because it's so cheap that now you're getting just all kinds of different people there, you know, a lot of young kids just kind of not really working out, but just hanging out and doing that. I see that a lot in some of the clubs. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's all about how you're connecting into what the club offers, which is, you know, what I love about Lifetime is we've got everything from if you're, you know, a group training type of person or a group exercise type of person or a yoga type of person, or maybe you're just a, a pickleball and tennis or racquetball. It's all there. So your ability to come in to a one-stop shop and pay the same thing now that you would pay in an, in a single owned, you know, studio, or, you know, maybe at your house with, you know, whatever your subscription is going to cost. And, and you're seeing that you're seeing people, cancel their subscriptions um, to the, to those in-home things. So I just think, I don't think it's for everybody, but I think that I'm not worried about it going away uh, as, as a lot of people thought, you know, during the pandemic. No. And and I think what we're seeing, and just to share this with you, I just got finished um, with core health and fitness. We had our international master trainer meeting. So we had some people in from Europe, from the middle East and from other parts of the world. And, And some people from our domestic master trainer team, kind of collaborating and what what we've been told what what my my colleagues at core have told me is in certain parts like in the southeast region some like that was it the crunch there's a big crunch network out of atlanta owned by the same they're 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 a network of crunch clubs and for listeners crunch are franchisees so there's one franchisor that owns a number of clubs in, in georgia outside the atlanta area but right now jason they're at their pre-covid numbers they're, they're above their pre-covid membership 
And a couple parts of the country, we're seeing that where younger people are coming back into the clubs and the numbers are up. I mean, from an equipment company, for listeners out there, <laughs> if you see those empty space on your gym floor, our problem is we got stuff. We got their, what, 80 container boats off the port. I'm, I'm pointing over my shoulder like people can see, but they're 80 container boats. Literally. <laughs> no, but yeah, you can go up the coast to Orange County and you never see this. But if you go up by Huntington Beach or, or in that part of Orange County, you see the container ships floating off the coast and you've never seen that before but that's where our equipment is so we have people buying product we have people buying stairmaster equipment star trek equipment all over the country we just can't get it off the freaking boats yeah. out to out to the out to the the health clubs to put them in i mean that right there is, is a real issue but that that kind of ties into another thing that, that that's a benefit about health clubs is for the most part health clubs have resources to buy equipment that works for you. It's because are machines the perfect end-all, be-all? No, but they, they provide a service, and there are sometimes when a machine workout is what is perfect for your body on a certain day. There are going to be other days where swinging a kettlebell is going to be perfect for your body. But that's one of the things that I love as a consumer, man. I love going to big health clubs, and it's like I like the bar analogy too because when I'm on the road traveling, I don't drink, but do I go into a bar for at dinner for a night? Yeah, I'll sit at the bar because I want to be around people, right? I want to be around other people. I want to watch whatever sports. I might not care about college basketball, but I'll watch college basketball at a bar because it's being social. But that's what that's the other thing I love about the health club environment is you're just being around other people and there's something to there's something for that. Yeah. And and there's an energy there that you just you're not going to reproduce on a screen in your house. No, and then you can't you just and, and again, some people like it, some people don't. That, that, that's cool. But I, I agree wholeheartedly that you know the, the membership is back for the exception of you know some areas that still have some pretty tight restrictions. Um but the membership's back and, you know, we're seeing that. And, and the hard part for us right now is we need the trainers because we lost a lot of trainers that went off on their own to, to feed, you know, the surplus of all the people coming in and, and wanting to figure out how to help themselves. Well, if you if you put if you put one in Carlsbad, we can have a conversation. But <laughs> no, but, we're, but we're definitely coming to Cali, though. I know that. No, I, and I, I know you're expanding on that. Now, to wrap up, Jason, what I want what I want to get from you, and, and I, I I've been trying to do a better job about asking this of my guests, especially again, we're about we're we're both about the same age. How have you changed your workouts? Like for you right now, when you look at your workout schedule, how do you like what number one, what motivates you? Because that's the other thing too. Like we both work in fitness, right? And let's face it, there are some days where I just, I'm, as much as I love health clubs, I don't want to go back in a freaking health club. I did the last thing I want to do today is go in. There are some days where I just, the last thing I want to do is go be around, go be in a health club environment. But how have you adjusted? How have you stayed motivated as we've, as we've matured and, and both of us staying in the industry? Well, uh, the first thing is, is if you're not motivated to, to keep your health up now, then I don't think you're ever going to be. <laughs> I just, sorry. Yeah, 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 you're right. hundred percent. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm super prideful for, you know, spending a lot of time and a lot of money, you know, on putting stuff into my body that I believe is helping me ward off, you know, aging the best that I can. Thanks for your book. Um, <laughs> but, but then also just in, in general. So in, in honestly, right now, the biggest thing is like I mentioned earlier, it's my kids, you know, I'm, I'm actually training my son as I'm working out. So I'll do some things and I have him do some other stuff, but it, it's just that vision of me not being there for, for them at their wedding or being a granddad. Th those are the things that keep me motivated and keep me in check. 
Um, and do I work out every single day, probably four or five days a week, you know, and if I don't do it first thing in the morning, I have a hard time doing it. Um, so, you know, and he gets me up so that that's really it. And, you know, what I love too, is through the podcast, uh, you know, getting so much information that I'm being able to, to scrub through and, and watch, you know, some courses and things like that. It, it just, it's refreshing to keep me in what's happening right now and what's hot and what's coming up and, and, and what's working and what's not. And what's been the, what's been the most interesting thing? Like what trend, what do, what do you think is going to be a trend in the next year or two that really hasn't been popular in the fitness industry lately? Or uh, that, what do you think is like an emerging trend that we might want to pay attention to? We might want to keep our eyes on. I, I wholeheartedly believe that it's, it's what I'll term well-being. It's, you know, the definition of well-being is to be comfortable, healthy, and happy. And I think that the programs that that are well-rounded, that allow people to not only work on their physical bodies, but their mental bodies, um, and, and get into that place where they're comfortable looking in the mirror in what they are, if they have a two-pack, a four-pack, or, or a no-pack, it doesn't matter. Um, but I think that it's about moving better. It's about, you know, not injuring yourselves. So are uh, deadlifts fun? Yes. Do most people do them wrong? Yes. You know, so, I, you know, I think you can potentially throw it in there, but I don't think it's a, it has to be in every effective workout. Get the hell out of here. You know, um, there's other things that you can do. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but, it, but really it's, 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 I think take the extremes that we've always living in out and think in workout programs that are going to focus on, on people being able to move better and, and, you know, focus on their mental health. Well, and to bring it back, you said something earlier, Jason, that I think is so, so important because you do see people make exercise overly complicated. Like I'm a big fan of scrolling Instagram, right? I, I'm a big fan. And there are some great fitness professionals I follow on there. And there's sometimes they post something. I'm like going, why, why would somebody do that? You're linking like three or four moves into one move. And, and I kind of get it, but what is it about? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm laughing it today. I, I had one this morning where it was, if you do, uh, I think it was, Hold a plank five minutes, not, not four or five minutes, but do five one-minute planks. You'll inviscerate your, your abdominal fat. Oh, Jesus, come on. Yeah, and it's like, but what is it, what is it about the basics, right? Because I always try to make the point that in any field, cooking, some the best chefs are the ones who execute the basics better than anybody else. In music, since you're, you're a musician, you have a musician background, the best musicians are the ones that can execute the basic scales or the basic notes better than anybody else. And I think people in fitness or even consumers out there overlook the fact that sometimes the best workout program ain't all that complicated. No, it's the one they're going to do. I don't care what you say. I don't care how good you are. And, 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 and again, it, it's funny because we're there's this big buzz around what's the best, like what is, what, if you're a consumer out there, what should you be looking for in the best trainers? And, and I, I believe that it's a, it's a combination of not only education, you got to have that. I'm not saying you don't have to have that, but I've seen so many people with the best education be terrible and never make a career in this because they just don't know how to communicate with people. So there's the education, there's the experience, there's your ability to influence people. I mean, we're seeing that where we argue with some of those influencers, but if somebody's got 1.2 million followers, unless they're just buying them all, 
they're getting people to move. They're getting people to do things that they, maybe they never did because they're simplifying it maybe too much. But the influence, and, and to me, influence is a combination of passion and retention. And I'm not a big guy on results. My company may kill me on this because of a results-based culture. Results are different. Retention basically tells me if I'm getting results. Because I might have that client. How many times have you had that client that they don't really... They, they just want to get in there and move because they know it's good for them. And, and then they want to go drink or they want to do those things. And, and I'm not going to condone those things and say, you know, you know, get rid of this or you can't, you know, that's their lifestyle. If they're coming in there and doing three, four days a week and they're retaining and they're referring people to you, that's a result. Even though in health clubs, it sucks because a lot of times people look at me working with that train, that, that client for, you know, three years and they really haven't changed anything, but maybe they have mentally because we all know that working out changes mentally, or maybe they were a diabetic and now they're not as diabetic because they're getting some resistance training in, you know? So at the end of the day, your ability to get clients, your ability to, to, to really see it as a profession, don't do it part-time, but just really make a commitment and dive in to, to, to make, you can make a lot of money in this, especially now with online training, you can make a lot of money and, and not kill yourself, you know, uh, along the way. So, you know, I, I think that's that at the end of the day, I think it's the, the biggest thing is people's well-being, their health and their happiness is most important, especially coming out of what we're, we're coming out of, I hope uh, right now. Uh, and that that's, what's going to help people you know, I think the pie of people that are out there are, are much bigger in that category than the people who just are totally aesthetic. And I, I just want to be totally jacked and ripped. I, I agree with you 100%. I, I really am bullish on where the health industry is going to go in the next three to five years. I think we have, obviously, any in the industry can do a little bit better. And I think we have some efficiencies that we can improve upon. But overall, Jason, one of the reasons I want to have this conversation is just, I, I, I as you can tell, I'm a huge proponent of health clubs. I really think health clubs offer a lot for, for a lot of people that want to make health and wellness a priority. And it really is kind of cool to hear a little bit of insight about how Lifetime does what it does. So Jason Stella, the host of the Lifetime Talks training podcast, man, it's a pleasure to catch up with you. It's a pleasure to, to have this conversation. Where can people get more information about what Lifetime is doing or how they can access Lifetime, even if they not, might not have one in their specific neighborhood? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, you can connect with me. Um, you know, my you can connect with me from the through the podcast. There's emails that that go direct to me or jstella at lt.life. There's lifetime.life uh, website, and they have a if you scroll all the way down, they have the careers. They'll show what clubs are going to be coming that are in the books uh, official. Um, because we're we're going everywhere. We got a lot of clubs that are going to be opening up, um, and we're excited for for what's happening into the future. And we need quality trainers, um, and I think we're going to take care of them better than anyone else. Remember, you do not need to have the education that Jason or I have. This is our career. This is what we focus on. If you want to learn more about exercise, if you want to learn how to add more exercise or how to design exercise programs that work for you. Smarter Workouts and Ageless Intensity, my two books will teach you what you need to know and how to do it safely. Links for those are down below in the show notes. This was a fun conversation. What I want, one of the things I try to do with this podcast, number one, if you like the podcast, give it a review, tell your friends about it, share this information with your friends. But one of the things I want to do with this podcast is we're getting into the new year, we're getting into, everybody gets into, I want to start in January. I'm kind of over that, right? Why is January 1st any different from, from March 1st? 
Why is March 1st any different than March 12th or September September 19th or October 21st or, or April 17th? The point is they're all arbitrary dates. So I don't, I don't subscribe to the fact that any specific date should be the start of our fitness program. If we're doing it right, every time we open our eyes is a day to start our program, it's a day to revamp our program. That's why I'm not doing any specific programming for January. right? I'm not doing anything specific. Kick off January, jump start. I'm not doing that. Because we know what we should be doing on a regular basis. What I did want to do is have a conversation with somebody that holds the same job that I have to talk about some of those issues. And what I try to do with the podcast sometimes is to peel the curtain back a little bit and give you a little view about how the fitness industry operates, about what we consider, about what we, about those of us that work in the fitness industry, how we do our jobs. And having this conversation with Jason gives you a little bit better idea about why, why I'm such a big fan of health clubs. Because you hear we're trying to do the right thing. Health clubs get, get looked at a lot because they see us as bad business practices. But you have to understand that a good health club is open. Some health clubs are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A good health club is open 16, 18, 20 hours a day. It can be hard to be everything to everybody in that sense. We need to have certain equipment for people who lift a lot of weight. We need to have other equipment for people who are intimidated by people who lift a lot of weight. The point is that there is no one right way to run a health club. But if you're looking for that place, you're looking for that spot of where you can reach all of your fitness goals, whether it could be adding muscle, losing weight, whatever your goals might be, a health club becomes one of the best resources for that. So from time to time, when I get a chance to talk with leadership from a health club, when I get a chance to talk with somebody who's really involved with health club operations, I love having that conversation because I want you my listener, to learn more about how we do the things that make you sweat, about the thought that goes into the businesses that make you sweat. That's exactly what I wanted to bring to you with the interview with Jason Stella. Contact information for Lifetime Fitness is down below. I really They're a premium level health club. They are not cheap. Lifetime health clubs are very expensive. However, you get what you pay for. You get clean locker rooms, clean facilities, beautiful amenities, great equipment, And you know what? A great place to go. Let's face it. Health clubs are that third space. Health clubs aren't work. They aren't home. They're that place where you go and work on getting healthy, but they can also be a great social outlet. Hopefully you got some great information from this conversation today. If you want more information, you can go to Pete McCall Fitness. That's PeteMcCallFitness.com. Sign up for my mailing list at PeteMcCallFitness.com. I'll send you one or two good high-level emails with blog posts and great information a couple of times a month. The whole reason why I do this is to help you learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. You can learn about that at PeteMcCallFitness.com. You can go to my Instagram feed, All About Fitness Podcast. That's the All About Fitness Podcast on Instagram. Or you can go to YouTube, All About Fitness Podcast on YouTube. Again, All About Fitness Podcast on both YouTube and Instagram. And as always, thanks for stopping by, and I do look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.